and, and the, just the energy that we've created and are able to, have been able to sustain. And so we're not, we're not blind. We know this last year came with some punches and it came with some bumps. Um, but I always remind people that church business and church life is messy. It's messy. When you get this many people who have a sin nature together, it's only going to be messy. It's only going to be messy. So, so if you ever find a church with no issue, don't join it because you will mess. You will mess it up. And so we're not we're not perfect, but we're a church that's forgiven. And so we're excited about what the Lord has done over the last year. We've added 21 members over the last year, and that's a, that's an amazing thing. My favorite stat that I just learned this past week is over the last 12 months, we've baptized 11 people. And that's incredible. That's God's grace right there. And so we're excited about what the Lord is doing and what the Lord is doing in our midst. And we, we're not satisfied, but we're excited. And we want to keep going and we want to keep reaching. And, and listen, this, this merger thing with Hilldale is not our pinnacle, okay? I love my brothers and sisters from Hilldale, but that's not our pinnacle. Like, that doesn't mean we've arrived. There are people in the shadows of this church who need to hear the gospel. There are people in the shadows of our buildings who need to know what love is. And so we're, we keep going. We keep reaching. We keep telling people about Jesus. You keep inviting, and we're going to keep serving, and we're going to keep having a, a wonderful time together. As we think through where we've come from in, in this Made for More series, we, we talked about what Christ did for us in salvation, and we talked about kind of our identity in that. We talked even more about why we're all gifted different. We're, we all have different personalities, and we, we all have different gifts that God has given us, and God has wired us different. You know, there's no one in the world that has your DNA. God thinks so much of you that he has made your DNA just for you. There's no identical sets of DNA strains. God has, has formed you and he created you. And when he took time to breathe life into you, there's nobody else like you. You're it. And so God has placed you here. And we talked about how if God has placed you here in our church family, it is for a specific reason. It was not an accident. God wasn't in some nominating committee where he just said, oh, we'll plug them in here. They've got vacancies. If you're here, it's because God has placed you here. And if you're not serving with the gifts and the talents that God has given you, then you're not being effective in the kingdom. You're not doing what God has placed you here to do. That leaves us into this, this idea today that you have purpose. If you have gifts, then you have purpose. And we, we're praying that, that more and more people would step up to the plate and serve in the Baptist church. It's kind of a, a funny thing, but it's really not funny. We, we say that 10% that of the congregation does 100% of the work, and, and that, that's not a fair percentage because, because the church was never created for spectatorship. We didn't create a church, and Jesus didn't die for, for something that you would be a spectator at when he gave us life and he was excited about the coming of the holy spirit in acts the idea of the church being his bride is filled with a congregation of of blood-bought believers sold out to the kingdom so we start today I've, I've got a question and i'll ask it in the end are you walking out your purpose for the kingdom are you don't, don't look at your neighbor and be like well they're not are you 
walking out your purpose for the kingdom. Let me, let me say this. Your purpose and, and why God formed you and how God saved you and redeemed you if he's done such is more than church membership. It's more than just coming in and sitting and listening. That, he, didn't, he didn't save you for that. It's, that's not The church experience isn't the pinnacle of the Christian experience. He never said, get saved and go to church. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life. I've come that you may have life, and yet so many of us are not living. I've come that you may have joy, and yet so many of us are not content. We think through, some of you remember when you first got married. Some of you remember those, some of those first years when you were starting out in life and, and maybe you were like I was and you had, I had three jobs that I was working trying to pay the bills and we were trying to survive. I remember that first, that, that first time I actually you know, did taxes and, and didn't realize that, that I owed Uncle Sam more money and, and so I was filling that out and I remember it very clearly. My first year that Katie and I were married, uh, we grossed somewhere like $19,000. That's it. And we were happy. We were working. And, and we could justify the long hours that we were working, putting in 50 and 60 hours a week because we had to provide for the family. And we, we, had, to, we had to work so that we could pay the bills because good luck doesn't pay rent, right? And so, so we were doing those, working hard, working long hours. And, and, and then job situations changed and, and we grew and, and, and got salary jobs and I remember when we first when I first went into full-time ministry and Katie got a teaching job in in Mississippi and we were like "Woo! we have made it we've made it and then I was thinking brother John I was thinking they put me on salary yeah, that means I don't even have to go to work and they're gonna pay me I was so excited and that still hadn't happened yet but that was I was so excited that was on, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know that meant they were going to work me like a dog and, and still pay me for 40 hours. I didn't know. I didn't know that. You make more money and then guess what happens? All of a sudden that truck's hitting out in the driveway. It don't look as near as impressive as it did when you first started out. And you think, we're making all this money. We need a new vehicle. So you go buy a new vehicle. And then you think, well, we need a bigger house. We're making all this money. We can afford a bigger house. So what do you do? You go find a bigger house. And then you need newer clothes because your, your old rags are not good enough anymore because now you're making money. And before you realize it, you have went from what was good because, listen, men, I, I, I say this unapologetically. God's charged you with providing for your home. Now, I'm not opposed to women working. My wife works outside the home, and she works certainly inside the home, but God has called you. There's no such thing in the Bible as a lazy man. He's always called you to serve. He's always called you to work. That's been his design for you. But if we're not careful, we become slaves to our own stuff. All of a sudden now, we, we wanted that new truck, and we want that new boat, and we want that new camper, and so we do this thing called financing. And before you know, we've lost our purpose, because we started well. We started well. We're providing for our family and whatever that looks like, and we're, we're getting after it because we want to put food on the table, but we've lost that. 
and now we're sir, now we're, we're we're having to work long hours, and and dads aren't in the home because they're in overtime because they need to pay for their stuff. We've lost purpose. We've lost our purpose, and in the Christian world of this, we certainly have. If we think us showing up, reading our Bible for a few minutes on Sunday morning and singing a couple of songs and going home is the catalyst of our worship experience, then we've lost our purpose. We've lost our purpose. We should be a country club because at least then we'd have lunch after this, right? God has made you for more than just showing up. God's made you for more than just somehow marginally skirting around Christianity. Isaiah 43, if you have your copy of your Word of God, I hope you will go there with me. Um, God is going to speak to Isaiah. He's going to kind of get to the root of our purpose. And I love this chapter of Isaiah. It's one of my favorite chapters in all of of God's Word. And so I, I hope you will take it to heart. I hope you memorize this. This is one of the first chapters of the Bible that I memorized. It's a great text. Where, where God is speaking and he wants us to realize some things. If you have found your place in the word of God, let's read along together. It says, starting in verse 1, it says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Isn't that great news today? God called you and you are His. He says, When you pass through the waters... I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored. I love you. I give men in return for you, people in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you and I will say to the north, give up and to the south. Do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory whom I have formed and made. Father, we ask that you would bless the reading of your holy and perfect word today as we try to figure out what our purpose is and how you have created us and and how you have have formed us and made us. God, we, we pray that we would find our purpose today and then we'd get busy fulfilling that. Lord, I ask for, um, for you to show up and do that which you can. Father, for those who need to join our church today, for those who need to surrender to ministry today, for those who need salvation today, that you would bring that forth. We pray it in the name of Christ. Amen. So are you living out the purpose that God has for you? Are you living in the fullness of glory? Are are you living that? Because what we find in Isaiah 43, in verse 7, and he says, For everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. So you were created. The the reason God took time to create you, and even little old you, and God knows you, and it says that God loves you, and he wants you, and the reason he created you was 
for his glory. But we have to get past some things that we often think about God when, when we try to minimize the Lord, put him in some kind of box that we can somehow contain. We, we begin to think of reasons that we were created and, and we're far from, far from right. Some of us, and I've heard this, I've heard this, in fact, I've heard this in this building, that, that we were created so that God would have fellowship with us. God didn't, have, God didn't need fellowship with us. You're not that interesting. He knows your thoughts. He created your brain. You're not that interesting. Like God wasn't sitting up in heaven going, boy, if we'd create Louis, that'd change all of our problems. He would certainly change things. But if we just have one more Louis, if I could find a Louis that would love me, God didn't create you for fellowship. He created you for his glory. He also didn't, he didn't create you because you're some awesome creature that he couldn't live without. Like he didn't look at your golf game and go, oh, I need them. They're on my team, right? He didn't do that. Like God hadn't looked at you and said, your skill set is beyond anything that I can fathom. I need you. When we start thinking these ways, it begins to puff us up and minimize the glory of the Lord. God didn't create you, or God didn't work, he, he didn't send Christ because you're some amazing creature, because you can do awesome things, or even because you're cute. He, he didn't create you because of any of that. He created you for His glory. For His glory. Not for your glory. For His glory. Has anybody ever heard of cat-dog theology? Anybody, you looking at me like, like calves out of Newgate. All right. There's this great, and this may help you today. There, there, there's a, a system out there called cat-dog theology. Any cat lovers in the room? Three? Okay. What about dog folk? We got some dog folk in the room. It always outnumbers the cat folk, all right? And you're, I hope at the end of this you see why dogs are better than cats. So I had a cat growing up named Lucky, and the reason it was Lucky is because it was alive. That was it. We had dogs growing up. We've always had dogs growing up, and the dogs never liked cats. But yet, some reason, the dogs let this cat come around. We don't know why. We can't prove it. In fact, books can be written on the mystery of the whole thing. And yet this cat came around, and we had it for 10 to 12 years before it, could, it finally couldn't outrun the neighborhood dogs. And then we didn't have a cat anymore. We've always had dogs, and dogs are unique. Dogs will come to you when, when you open the door, if you keep an inside dog, we don't no judgment here. Uh, when you come in, and the, the dog's so excited to see you, chasing its tail, it's fired up to see you. If you've got a cat and you walk in, they just look at you like, oh, you're, you're back? The personality difference between a cat and dog is unique. But it also, there's, there's some theology here that we can glean from. Cat's theology, think about a cat for a second. The cat doesn't care if you show up or not. The cat doesn't come to you. In fact, in fact the cat will look at its master and say, the only reason the master exists is to serve me. Right? No cat, when you walk in, comes shaking at the door. No cat does that. The cat doesn't bring the newspaper. The cat isn't so excited. It'll come up to you, and, and just about the time you're ready to punt it out the front door, it'll and rub up on you. Like, but the cat looks at its master and says, you exist to serve me. The dog, on the other hand, there's a reason the dog is called man's best friend. The dog cannot wait for the human to get home. 
The dog is excited. The dog is obedient. The dog will look at its master and he says, I exist to please you. You are my master. You are my God. The only reason I am allowed to, to bark is because of you. The only reason there's water in the bowl. The only reason there's food in the bowl is because you put it there. I am in complete gratitude to you and I love you. For many of us, we have that approach with God. Some of us are cats, and we think that we're the very nucleus of God's creation and God's plan. We think that somehow God needed us, somehow God had to have us, that we, we, the world wouldn't evolve, and it, it wouldn't spin on its axis if we weren't here. And we create God to be a Walmart, and we pray that way. We pray our grocery list to him, and then we get mad when he doesn't do it. We think God exists to serve us. To where the more biblical mandate is the dog theology. Where we realize that God is our master and our creator. We realize apart from God's grace, we are helpless and hopeless. But in God's graciousness and in God's mercifulness, we can live. We can live. For you and I to live out our purpose... As we think about why we were created for God's glory, we must realize that we must abide. We must abide. John, the, the gospel writer John, told us about abiding because Jesus told him. And Jesus says, abide in me. Jesus says, abide in me. In fact, the, the gospel writer John wrote in John six fifty seven, he says, Jesus lives through the Father. He says, just as, live, just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So that the one who feeds on me will live forever. If we're going to fulfill God's purpose and we're going, to, we're going to live to bring glory to the Father, we must learn what it means to abide. It's easy to abide to the Father when everything's going right. It's easy to abide to the Father when, when, when God is giving us the yeses. When, God, when we have more money in the bank and we have the bills paid and life is going good, the children are behaving, it's easy to abide. But the first time a ripple comes, the first time someone gets out of step and the first time a bill shows up, it's so easy to try to self-form your own God that you can create the situations and contain it. When Jesus said abide, he wasn't talking about just in the good times. When we abide, when we think of the idea of abiding, we think of fruit hanging on a stem. As long as that fruit is hanging on the stem, it's alive. It's growing. It has the nutrients it needs. It has everything that God has created for it to survive. But the moment that it's picked, the moment that it's picked, it's no longer abiding. When you and I disconnect from the Lord, and He's never disconnecting from us, we're always disconnecting from Him. When we disconnect from the Lord, we're not living out purpose, we're not living out what God has for us, we're not even living. At that point, we begin to die. We begin to die. A tree without water perishes quickly. You, without the presence and the feeding of the Lord, your spirit does the same thing. So we must abide, but we also, it's more than that, we must also begin to realize that for us to have purpose, we've got to develop what love is. You know the old 80s song, what's love got to do, got to do with it, right? 
Y'all don't know, okay, some of you look at you. Turn on the radio every once in a while. There's good stuff out there. We must learn to love. We must learn to love. What is love and the idea of the Christian specter? Love is the very catalyst at which we make this thing work. In fact, Jesus tells us that he didn't come to bring us a, a new commandment, but, but an old one. He said, love the Lord your God. When we begin to love, and I'm talking about really love. I'm not talking about this church thing that we call love or where we go to people, I love you, but you really don't. And I'm not, I'm not talking about this thing where, where we love things. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about when we love the Father and out of that overflow of love in which we love the Lord, we begin to love people. Because the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God and the second is just like it, love people. So as we begin to love people, we begin living out the purpose that God has for us. Anybody today want to testify that some people are not easy to love? Like, I, I'm here. Like I, I'm not easy to love. My wife will give me an amen. Like, sometimes I'm hard to deal with. Like, sometimes I, I, get, I get cross, and I, I, get, I get irritated and agitated. Sometimes I wake up in a bad mood. Y'all don't do that, but sometimes I do. Sometimes I will fight an argument just for the sake of argument. Like, I, Katie and I have been in an argument. She's like, why are we arguing? Now, I don't know. I'm arguing. I don't know. I'm, I'm hard to deal with. And I know that. It doesn't negate our love for one another. As people of faith, we should love because we've been loved. We've experienced what real love is. Therefore, we should love out loud. We should love other people. It's easy to love others that you agree with. It's easy to love people who think like you. But what about when people disagree with you? See, we live now in a day where disagreement means hatred. If you don't agree with me somehow, therefore you hate me. And that's, I don't know how we got there. We must love people who are different from us. We must love people who don't agree with us. In fact, the Bible call for love is going to go a little further. We must even love those who hate us. It's easy for us to box people up. You don't like me, that's fine, we're done. But that's not biblical. There's never a point in the Bible where it says we just... Wash our hands with people. We love even if they've done us wrong. If they've done us wrong, we, we keep loving. It doesn't negate us from loving because God's call for you is love. It says people will know you. People will know that you're his by how you love. Not some facade that you put up. Not, not some fake word that you say. Genuine love will always come out. Genuine love will always be evident in how you're living life. So if you live life, if you live life not loving, can you really point people to Christ? If you live life not loving, does your testimony really have any weight or power in it? For us to live out the purpose at which God created us for, for His glory, for His glory, we must love like He loved. We abide and we love. And then from there, we, we serve. From there, we serve. For us to bring glory and honor to the Lord, we must realize that we have purpose beyond pew sitting. For us to, to bring glory to the Lord, our every day has to have 
purpose and action. That's why the Apostle Paul would say that every day that he wakes up, every day when, he, when, he, when he's in Galatians and he gets to that, that huge verse in chapter 2 when he says, For I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live by faith, I live in the uh, life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. When he gets to that verse, that means every day he wakes up, he lives serving the Lord. Did you live yesterday serving the Lord? Are you going to live tomorrow when that alarm goes off? And it's time to roll out of bed and go to work again? Are you going to live that for the Lord? Teenagers, in a couple of weeks when that alarm goes off and it's school time again, and you're like, not again. Are you going to serve the Lord? Are you going to serve faithfully with what God has purposes in this life? Or are you just going to... Paul Washer, I don't always agree with all of his theology, but he said this. This tragedy in American Christianity is we have church in the world for Christ. That there's no doing anything. Nobody's sharing their faith in the world about Jesus. We've lost, they lost all of these things. We forgot to bring God glory through how we, how we serve. We must serve others must serve our ministry in the way that you can glory to the Lord. Just be faithful the Lord's given you. If, if there's a voice that you can sing, you're not being faithful. If the Lord's given you ability, you're not being faithful. If the Lord's given you, if the Lord's blessed you, if you're being stingy with time. Part of glory and part of us realizing we must serve others, serve our, and we even must serve those apart from Christ. We even must serve those apart from Christ. And sometimes those are the hardest people to reach. Because they, they don't care about what you're bringing to the table. There, there are some people in, in circles that I run in, when they hear that I'm a pastor, it changes how they behave. Maybe you don't experience that, but I, I've, I don't always wear a headset where people know I'm, I'm the guy preaching today. Like This thing only really breaks out Wednesday and Sunday. I'll be in elevators, and I, I like striking up conversations. I, and I always wait as long as I can to tell them what I do. I always, as long as I like, I don't bust out and say I'm a pastor because people get different around me. So I'm in an elevator in St. Vincent's Hospital this past week. And this lady is just furious about life, and she's, she's had some hard cards served to her, and she's got some language that, that I, <laughs> it was tough. And then she finally looks at me and she says, so what do you, why are you here? You visiting? And I said, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm a pastor and I've got some folks in this hospital. I'm just visiting. She changed her tone and she said, well, that's good. You know, people like you need to be around here a lot more. We have to serve those who may even be hostile to us. We have to serve those who, who have no idea of Christ, and we have to serve those who really may not even be wanting Christ. It doesn't negate that our purpose is to serve. Jesus didn't win the world by grandstanding on a platform preaching. Jesus changed the world because he was faithful to the Father. He said, Lord, not my will, but yours. As you live out life, Trying to bring glory to the Father. Trying to make much of Jesus. Is it going to be your will? Or is it going to be His will? Are you going to serve out of, out of love and affection for Jesus? Or are you going to do what's comfortable for you? If we realize that we've been made for more than just this muddle life. If we realize we've been made for more 
than just showing up and attending. If we realize we've been made for more than just a church service, we must get busy doing what we've been made to do. We must get busy doing what we've been made to do. Bringing the Lord glory. You were formed and created for God's glory. Are you doing that today? I told you I'd start the same way. I'll end the same way I started. Are you bringing glory to the Father by the way you live? If not, what are you waiting on? God doesn't need another pew sitter. He doesn't need another church attender. God's looking for people that will raise up and be faithful, abiding, loving, and serving. Are you bringing God glory through your life? Let's pray. Father, I pray over our people today. Lord, I pray that if they're not faithfully serving you, thank you for Isaiah 43. Thank you that that you tell us that we can have no fear in this life because you're with us. You called us for your glory. You created us for your glory. If we're called by your name, it's, it's for you and not our sake. Lord, I pray that we would get busy abiding. Lord, I pray that we would get busy loving. And that we would get busy serving because we know you've called us to those things. Lord, thank you that we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith. Lord, I pray if someone is here today and they've never experienced that, that work of grace and that act of faith, Lord, that you would show up and do something incredible in their heart today, that you would give them the courage to stand up and step out, find somebody they can talk to about Jesus. Lord, I, I pray for that, for my brothers and sisters today who realize, man, I'm not living out the purpose. I'm not being all that I've been created to be, Lord, that you would allow them first to repent for not being faithful, but also that you would encourage them to serve well. You would encourage them to to, for your glory's sake, get busy. Lord, may we never forsake the task that you've given us. Thank you that the Apostle Paul wrote that, that we are now part, because of our salvation, we are now ushered in and a part of the ministry of reconciliation. May we never take that for granted, Lord, but may we be faithful doing all you've called us to do. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. And all God's people said,